Jumped the gun there on the uh, T-Mobile crowd yelling at Shohei Otani, come to Seattle. How many other major league cities are going to say that now to Shohei? Every single one. As he goes through the uh, the rounds over the next couple of weeks. All I would urge MLB teams and markets is just have some self-awareness. Yeah. He's not going to Pittsburgh probably. No, probably not. Pittsburgh does not have the money. His Kansas next City. contract may be worth more than the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> yeah, definitely the Kansas City Royals, for sure. His next contract is going to be at least $500 million. Yeah, there are, that's that's the crazy part. There are sports franchises in North America that he will be worth more than. Yes. Like his contract. Forget him. Yeah. Just that one contract, the 10-year deal. Uh, he will be worth the same that it costs to uh, cut a check to Major League Soccer and get your own Major League Soccer franchise, <laughs> which is kind of surprising. Like, I still can't believe San Diego paid $500 million for a MLS team, but uh, it's their money, not mine, I guess. <laughs> no, it's definitely not yours. <laughs> Dan Richo, Randy Chad, it's the morning show. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by... The Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Bob Condotta now joining us from the Seattle Times here on The Morning Show. Thanks, Bob. How were the uh, All-Star festivities this week? Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, that's always such a, such a fun event to have. We get, we, we've basically gotten it every 22 years here in Seattle, so uh, kind of a once-in-a-generation thing to have, and uh um, you know, the weather turned out great, and it seemed like everybody had a good time. It seemed like the, seemed like, as far as I know, it seemed like the logistics of everything went pretty well. So, yeah, I think it was a, it was a good time by all. Uh, a lot of the conversation, and as we just heard coming back from break, was, was Shohei Otani-related, where <laughs> Seattle fans are trying to lure him to Seattle, uh, making their pitch. How much of the, the buzz was Shohei Otani? Was that the Otani show pretty much the entire week? Well, I, I mean, it wasn't because, you know, he didn't take part in the home run derby. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think it, it would have been more if, he, if he'd have done that. And, you know, he didn't do a whole lot in the game, I guess. He was the, he was the DH and just had two at-bats and walked once and struck out once. So, um, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily a huge part of the action that way. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, there's, I mean, this has been, you know, there's been talk of this for a while because it's known that Seattle, you know, he seriously considered the Mariners when he, when he came. Um, when he came out and when when he signed with the Angels in 2018, I think the Mariners were one of his other finalists, and I, you know they made a strong pitch for him then. And um, you know there was a lot of speculation, and and uh, I think I think a lot of it's probably fairly accurate that the Mariners want to do that again. So um, you know you're probably not going to yell that when the Angels <laughs> when the Angels come to town simply because they're the opponent. So um, you know the All Star Game was sort of a was sort of a fun time to do that in a game that means nothing. It's uh, it is. It... You know, with with the playoff appearance last year and now this All-Star game, even though the team hasn't performed maybe up to expectations through the first half, Bob, it it, it kind of feels like baseball is back in Seattle after it was a little bit dormant for a while. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'd maybe disagree with you slightly. I, I mean, okay. I, I think the fan support has been pretty good, you know, through that whole time. I, I mean, I don't know that people have ever turned on baseball necessarily, um, you know, uh, 
I, I mean, go back and look at the, you know, the late nineties and, and early two thousands and everything. And, and uh, you know, they were selling out every game there for a few years. I, yeah, obviously the team is team is, has struggled on the field. They, and you know, that's not the fault of the fans or anything, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, they did had a really long um, non-playoff stretch there, 21 years essentially. And uh, we're, we're finally able to get that back last year. And, and, um, um, you know the team is. You're right. There were you know that created very high expectations for this year uh, when you win 90 games each of the past two years, and uh, they haven't lived up to that so far. But they you know they did finish the first half on a pretty good stretch there. So um, you know they're really not that far out of it, uh, especially with the seven seven playoff teams now. So uh, you know I think people are, are are ready to jump right back on on, on the bandwagon here pretty quickly if they can uh, you know do something here in this in this first home game they have right after the break. Yeah, maybe another way of saying it is that it feels like the cool factor is back with the Mariners. Wherein, you know, how much of that is Julio Rodriguez and just, uh, you know, maybe not having the year that he wants to have either, but in terms of just the, the aura that he has and the uh, the cool factor that the organization now has. Sure, yeah. I, you know, I, people always really, you know, free agents, signing veteran free agents and things can be fun, but um, you know, there's always something special about sort of a homegrown guy that you see sort of, uh, you know, mature and emerge right in front of you in Seattle. You know, again, was pretty lucky to have a, have a lot of guys like that. You know, have a few like that through the years anyway. And, uh, you know, with guys like Edgar Martinez and King Griffey Jr. And, and uh, you know, A-Rod uh, to an extent, even though he did leave pretty quickly. But, um, you know, and then even Ichiro, I guess, not having played the majors before he came over to Seattle. And um, So there is, you know, there's always something I think I think people gravitate to that a little bit more when you kind of feel like he was your guy from the start and and in Julio's case you know there there had been a lot of buzz about him last year and then he had a great spring and then um you know ended up uh having a great season and um he's tailed off a you know he struggled a, a tiny little bit this year he's um you know another guy who who um it has seemed to come around a little bit more um, the last few weeks, and they're certainly going to need him to do that uh, the rest of the way. But, yeah, you know, his performance on the home run derby that first round was a really electric moment. And, and I think, you know, for most people, that'll probably be the, the number one thing they remember from this whole weekend is just is, is his performance hitting the 41 home runs there and the way the crowd really ra- rallied around him. Do you feel the uh, Mariners have a second half push in them? Yeah, I mean, again, basically, you know, they, they won 7 out of 10. Um going into the all-star break on the road against good teams or not all on the road, but, um, but all against good teams, Tampa Bay, uh, the giants and Houston there. And, um, you know, with the, the pitching they have, they're going to stay competitive. And, and that, that's sort of been the thing all along is it's like if the hitting can just kind of catch up to the pitching just a little bit, but you know, you've really seen the young guys like Kirby and, and Logan Gilbert really come around. Um, I mean, Kirby's been solid all year. Gilbert had a few struggles here and there, but he's been really good the last, his last few times out. And, um, uh, you know, Castillo has been pretty, pretty consistent throughout as well. And so, um, you know, the bullpen has been, um, pretty solid, especially when you get, when they had got Andres Munoz back, you know, him being out for a while kind of, kind of hurt that and, and kind of the way they put the bullpen together, but, but he's back now too. So, you know, I, I think over the last couple of weeks, you sort of saw, you saw the team emerge that people thought they could be, um, all season long. And so, um, you know, it might not be realistic to play play quite that well all the way through, although that might be what they have to do to, to, to actually make the playoffs. But, 
um, you know, I, I think everybody's really encouraged by what they saw the last 10 days out of this team. Bob Condotta of the uh, Seattle Times joining us. And, uh, you know, I know you cover the Seahawks as well, Bob, and you know, training camp is, is starting up next week. Uh, what do we expect for the Seahawks, and what do you expect some of the storylines to be as, as camp opens? I hope it starts in two weeks because I'm not going to yeah, be – Sorry, two weeks, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, I um, – I mean, the, the number one storyline may be how all the rookies sort of fit into this. I, I think people, you know, again, talk about, you know, a nine-man rookie class, they're going to need three or four of them to play really key roles, um, if not more than that, really, uh, to play really key roles from the start. And so, so kind of seeing if they can really do that, you know, if these guys can kind of, um, you know, where where does Devon Witherspoon, where is he, is he going to be a nickel, is he going to be an outside corner? Um, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, we know he's going to play a lot, but how, but how does that look? What's really get him out there with, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett every snap? And, and, uh, um, and uh, you know, Zach Charbonnet, and, uh, how do they fit him in and some of the linemen and things like that? And then I think, you know, just Geno Smith, and, and can, he, uh, can he basically, you know, play the same way, if not a little bit better this year than he did last year? And, you know, he got off to such a great start last year, uh, kind of leveled off a little bit. Um, the second half of the season, um, and uh, you know, especially with a few more turnovers here and there, which is what they really need to stay away from. You know, a couple of games obviously kind of got away from them a little bit with a couple of those, with a couple of really not well planned turnovers. So, um, you, you know, I think it's it's that. It's, it's, was that a little bit of a uh, you know? I don't want to say a fluke, but just kind of you know, after not having played for so long and then having a year like that, can he back that up with another good year? And then I guess Jamal Adams as well. I, you know, seeing seeing. Um, where he is health-wise, I, I think the general expectation is he'll probably begin on the pup list. Um, you know, that's really not that big of a deal. You can come off the pup list anytime, and the team sort of put guys on the pup list so that there's some roster flexibility just in case, uh, just in case you need it. But uh, um, you know, th- they're going to hope that that Jamal's ready to ready to get back on the field uh, certainly within a week or two of camp and then uh you know I, I, I doubt you'd see him in any preseason games even if you were able to play but you know hoping that uh they can get him out there enough to really carve out a big role for him when the season uh when the season regular season begins in september well you mentioned geno smith a little bit earlier on there and the numbers you know looking back at the season look great but yeah there were there were, were moments where yeah, there was some maybe some cracks there, but what's the belief level in the market around Gino after having a, a great statistical season last year? Uh, you mean what did other teams think of him? Oh no, just in terms of the Seattle market, the fan base and, and oh, you know, oh. folks that what follow is, the team. Yeah. Fans think about yeah, I, well everybody's free. So yeah, um, you know I think he played a lot better than people thought just because people hadn't seen him. I mean it was hard to know. It was it was really hard to know what to what to expect. He obviously had played the three games in 2021 um, when Russell was hurt and. And, you know, there was definitely, I think, and I think he would admit this a, a little bit maybe of, of having to shake the rest off to, uh, when, when he hadn't played in so long. And, and you know, in the, in the first two starts he got in 2021 were tough conditioned games. Yeah, you know, the weather was bad in both the New Orleans and Pittsburgh games, and the Pittsburgh game was on the road as well. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, and, and then he, he played really well in his final start that year against Jacksonville, but, you know, that was a pretty bad Jacksonville team. So it was kind of, it was a little bit hard to know exactly what, 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 what they had in him. And I, and I think the team would acknowledge that, you know, I don't know that John Snyder and Pete Carroll um, necessarily knew for sure what the, what they had in Geno and, and, and what they'd get out of him once he started. And that was part of why they went and got Drew Locke as well. You know, they wanted to add, they wanted to have some competition there and, and, uh, you know, I, I think there was a belief among some in the organization that Drew Locke could, could win the job last year. 
But, uh, you know, Gino was definitely the better, more consistent quarterback throughout camp. And then once the season started, you know, uh, uh, really uh, after the second game against the 49ers, you know, really kind of hit the ground running, um, you know, once they once they sort of uh, um, really, uh, you know, kind of gave him the full playbook and everything. And, and it had a great, you know, about seven or eight game stretch. And, you know, and then just I, and it wasn't bad at, at the end, but it just was, you know, a little bit more. Um, you know, if you if you look at the numbers, a few more games there that uh, that weren't quite as spectacular as he'd been doing almost every every single week in the first uh, you know first nine or ten games of the season, and so that's just what they're you know what the, what they're going to hope is that that's uh, you know that that first nine or ten game stretch is what really you know Smith can be, and especially again you know giving him another receiver this year, giving him uh, another good running back this year, which which maybe will help the running game be a little bit more consistent than it was last year. Um, and, uh, you know, the offensive line, they're pretty excited about, you know, with the tackles being second-year guys now, maybe they can take a step forward as well. And so if you put all that together, that maybe that can really help Gino and kind of take that next step into being, you know, a truly elite week-in, week-out guy. Hey, Bob, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Okay, all right, thanks. Now there is uh, Bob Condotta joining us uh, from the Seattle Times covering – all-Star Week festivities and, uh, of course, getting ready to cover the Seahawks in training camp. Geno Smith, your worst nightmare. My worst? Like three years, $105 million. Uh, You might be your worst nightmare, depending on... Oh, stop. You gotta that, have... Like, you yeah, don't even know the details of the got, contract. It doesn't matter. You gotta have... You know, there's some hype It's basically one-year like guaranteed. you are so, so excited it's with It's one-year guaranteed. So excited if with If he stinks Gino. this year, they can get out immediately. It's fine. Three years, one hundred five is what I see. All right. Yeah, that's the contract he signed. That's the. Uh, you're okay. The fact that you're saying he can. The NFL wants you to believe. The fact that you're saying they can get out of this deal after one year tells me all I need to know about how much confidence you have in. Jesus. Yeah, it's a show me contract still. You know where I stand on the Seahawks. He's Geno Smith. You know where I stand on the Seahawks. All right. Yeah, they're already better than the the Dolphins. Are you? Stop this. What are the Dolphins? The third best team in the uh, in the AFC East? Yeah, okay. The AL East in baseball, being third in the AL East is still better than being in whatever in yeah. you know, uh, any other division. <laughs> you're still a good team. Yes. Doesn't mean you're going to the playoffs, though. Does, okay. Look at the division that the Seahawks are in. You think they're going to be better than the Niners? You Miami think was rebuilding forever, and they couldn't even build – the best team look in the at, division. Look at the they might roster. be worse than the Jets Look now. at the roster defensively. You just added Jalen Ramsey this year, yeah. who is still good. Okay. Right? So you think. Okay. I know. You've, uh, you've seen plenty of Jalen Ramsey in the division that the yeah. Seahawks were playing in. Yeah, he got torched a little bit last year. There's some red flags there. No. This ain't like a wash Darrell Revis. Come on now. Uh, producer Elon Chark with us this morning. Where do you think uh, – the Dolphins stack up in the AFCs. Here, he, Elon's a big Bills guy. Yeah, he's, guy. he's biased. Reach, this might be a little surprised you. I actually do like the Dolphins. Okay, never mind. Oh. He's not biased. He's wow. down the middle. I like this. So what, you consider the Dolphins the biggest threat to the Bills in the AFC East? I mean, the AFC East is really tough. Uh, maybe the Dolphins can sneak in the wild card. It, it honestly depends on Tua, right? Yeah. I think he's the guy. Jalen was a great addition. Their receiving core is lights out. Like, when we play the Dolphins, I'm scared of Waddle and Tyreek, right? Yeah. So it really depends on if Tua can stay healthy, and if not, can Mike White be that guy? Oh, no, I don't want to look. <laughs> Randy is not look, very confident. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> don't give me Skylar Thompson games anymore, please. I, last year when they went down to yeah. 
the third QB, it was it was rough. But it, it comes down to Tua. It, this is, you know, we felt like we had this conversation last year, but yep. now they've added more to this team. Those weapons, if you get them the ball, we know what they can do. We've seen Jalen Waddle. We've seen Tyreek Hill in that uniform. Now you add more to the defensive side of things. Yeah, this is, can he stay healthy? There's certain moments last year where you saw the confidence in his game. He was yeah. taking those shots downfield. Comes down to health at this point. I'm uh, I'm pretty hyped for baseball or football season to get going. Training camp in a couple of weeks. Then it's the Hall of Fame game. Preseason will start. And then uh, we're in the runway to the NFL opening up. Saquon Barkley, um, look, I... I'm obviously uh, not in the same tax bracket as a Saquon Barkley, but he's going through a contract negotiation right now with the Giants. And the reports were that Barkley had turned down $13 million a year and $26 million in the first two years of a extension proposed by the New York Giants. He wants to get... Up to sixteen million a year, which is where Christian McCaffrey is right now. Now the Giants can slap the franchise tag on Barkley and just have him locked in for this upcoming season at ten million dollars. Now Barkley doesn't want that. We know running backs don't love the franchise tag, given the uh, susceptibility to injury at the position. But if you're Barkley. I mean, we, it almost feels like the Le'Veon Bell situation playing out again. And he's saying he's not going to play on the franchise tag and all this. And have we not learned our lesson from how this can play out for a running back? If somebody's giving you the money, take the money. Because playing on the franchise tag, especially if you're not going to play on the franchise tag, is not the ideal situation. All right, so let's look into the math a little bit. So the current deal that the Giants have offered, offer, what, $26 million over $26 two years? Million in the first two years of the deal. If he gets franchised, he's going to earn ten point one this year, and yeah. he gets a 20% raise next year. And he's forced to play, like, well, he can only play for the Giants. They keep his rights, all those things, yeah. And that totals to $22.2 million. I'm not good at math, but that's not $26 million. Yeah. You're taking almost a $4 million loss. Now, the leverage play here that Saquon is obviously going for is, all right, pay me my money, my 16 give me presumably 32 over 2 yeah. I don't want your 26 or get rid of me. If the Giants come around to the idea that, you know, we don't want to pay running backs that much, we have a line and we're not going to cross it, Go get your money somewhere else. If there's a team that's willing to give you that, you got to be careful because the likelihood is you're going to a bad team with a bad O-line. Yeah, it's... Um, there's probably some general manager saying, oh, running back's available, we'll pay you, but it doesn't always work out well. Saquon Barkley is uh, in a real ugly spot, but uh, just take the money, man, because I don't see how this is uh, going to work out all that well for you. If you just play on the franchise tag, it's Dan Richo and Randy Janda coming up. Tristan Nielsen of the Abbotsford Canucks is going to join us. We'll get into his first NHL contract and where he sees his development continuing from here. That's next on the morning show. Nicely. 
And the Canucks will try to transition back the other way. Now here's a chance for Tristan Nielsen to the net. He scores! Off the right wing, he elevates the backhander into the top shelf. And the Canucks double their lead with 2.06 left in the third. The goal from uh, Tristan Nielsen, who's going to join us here in a few moments on the morning show. It's Dan Riccio and Randy Janda. Alfred and Bruff in the morning brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Yes, uh, Tristan Nielsen. It was uh, quite the year for Tristan Nielsen. You know, shows up, gets the uh, gets the AHL contract from the Canucks as a standout at prospects camp in Penticton and then carries that into training camp in the preseason turning some heads and all year there was talk of when is Tristan Nielsen going to get an NHL deal and that finally happened last week Randy it's yeah, been it's, a really great story not only this past year but you know you go back the two years in Abbotsford starts off picking up 11 points first year 41 games and then 41 points this year uh, being a real leader and I think there's a lot of uh, just love of the game you know the, that he plays he's not one to shy away from moments. There's a, uh, you know, the classic line of you love him to have him on your team, uh, you hate to play against him kind of element to Tristan Nielsen's game. And and anytime you watch him play, uh, that's what you love about the game, or is that hey, this guy's not afraid to go to the uh, the tough areas of the ice. Let's bring in our next guest, uh, Tristan Nielsen, now joining us. Uh, thanks for this, Tristan. Uh, congrats on, uh, on the entry-level deal with the Canucks. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you, you've, uh, you've been around uh, with the Abbotsford Canucks for a while and, and this was kind of something we all felt was coming with the way that you'd played lately. Um, your journey to this, this entry level contract, what's it been like? Uh, it's been a lot of work. I mean, I didn't really ever have anything given to me, so it's been, uh, it's been a lot of work and a lot of tough rainy days, but it's all paying off right now. Uh, we were just talking about your stats in year one versus year two and uh, the, the jump. Like When you look at the growth and the ability uh, to really produce in the year two, like where was the difference for you? Like What, what changed in year two? Uh, honestly, it was just a lot of it was confidence and work ethic. Like I just I never really knew what I – I always thought I had a good work ethic, and then I came to pro and I, I saw some of the, the older veteran guys and – they made mine look like kind of a joke. So <laughs> I uh, honestly, I learned a lot from them and I learned a lot in my first year. And I think I just, I, I worked for it. And I was also given the opportunity by an amazing coaching staff. And I took advantage of it. Where does this uh, relentless work ethic you have come from? Uh, I think it was just always uh, my family. My family, obviously, being a, a small town, little farm family, it was, uh, it was always about working. It wasn't necessarily. Uh, I guess uh, doing the right things is just as long as you work hard and you work your hardest every time, it's it's going to happen for you. And you mentioned, you know, the the amazing coaching staff in Abbotsford. Uh, we've heard a lot of great things about Jamery Carlton. Uh, we've talked to him, a uh, really good communicator. But, you know, from your perspective, what makes him such a good coach? And, and not only him, but his staff as uh, in, in its uh, I think the the staff there obviously they have the amazing development staff and and that's huge for a personal development but I think when it comes to the coaches uh they kind of put players in the in the right positions to succeed and they use the players to their strengths and I think uh I think they just see kind of 
a pathway for each player to to make their jump. And I think they they try to like I guess use that pathway as much as they can um, for team success. So, what's the next step for you? What are you uh, What are you working on, and and how do you uh, see yourself getting better as as you keep moving forward here? I'm just trying to get more consistent and in better shape, and I think uh, if I can do that, I'll be prepared to to make the jump. So, no uh, no French fries here on National French Friday? No, no. Actually, I'm in Fort Saint John right now, and they have rib fest going on. So, I'll probably check that out today with my family. But that's about it. All right, all right. So, um, okay, all right. Speaking of that, though, like, you know, are you in a, uh, and you know, does the team check up on you and just making sure that you're you're eating right and the workouts are getting in? Like, how hands on is it for the team? Yeah, I mean, obviously, they they check in quite often. Um, I'm down in Vancouver for the most part, and I'm working out at Rogers, so um, it's uh, they kind of see me all the time. But for players that are kind of across country and stuff, I know they call and check in and. And just make sure that they're doing something at least and making sure they have proper training and trainers. Man, it's been a long time since I've been to a rib fest. Are they, are they still as good as I remember? I don't know. I've never been to one. It's been my first one. <laughs> All right. You're going to have to keep an eye on Tristan's uh, social media for that reason. <laughs> uh, so, you're, so you're back home there in, in Fort St. John. You mentioned your family earlier. How do, how do you think um, you know, where you grew up and, and your family has, has shaped you as, as, as a hockey player today? Uh, I think it kind of describes Fort St. John, how I play it's a little <laughs> gritty town. So um, it's hard working up here. And I think just kind of seeing it from everyone in my family um, kind of led to me having the same work ethic. Is that where all the good chirps come from that we heard in the, uh, the mic'd up at the Young Stars? <laughs> no, <laughs> those, uh, those come from uh, just experience, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, the the experience with the Calgary Hitmen and the Vancouver Giants, I guess. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to some of your teammates earlier this year and uh, John Stevens and, and a few others and, and big golf guys. I know Arshdeep was trying to trying to get into golf as well. Are, is, are, you, a, are you a big golf guy or are you heading in that direction? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, Bainsey and I have been trying to golf every week together, so that's been fun, but I just kind of got started. I didn't really start last summer. I just went golfing for like a month last summer. And uh, this year, I'm, I'm already about a month in, so I'm trying to get a lot of golf in. Uh, apparently, Jake Kupski is like a scratch golfer, though. He was talking a big game when I, I hung out with him a little bit. He's he's sick. He's unreal. <laughs> he, he came out. We went and played like a par three course, and I was playing with like all my clubs, and he just, his, his like, farthest club i guess was an eight iron <laughs> and he like kicks my ass yeah uh those guys those scratch golfers man they they get me every time it's just like the, the just the way the 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 ball sounds off the club is just completely different and it's like oh man. it's so satisfying to watch yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy hey uh really appreciate your time tristan uh congrats again on the deal enjoy rib fest later today and uh we'll catch up soon yeah awesome thank you uh, there is uh, Tristan Nielsen joining us, uh, getting ready for Rib Fest up in uh, Fort St. John. And we got Dan in Fort St. John texting in saying, you better get in line for Rib Fest now. <laughs> the fest is ridiculous. I uh, I think there's one in Palmo coming up in a couple. It, well, it, it's like it's like a traveling band. They, they yeah, just yeah. go around to, to different towns. I wonder if it's the same outfits that i would have had in woodbridge way back in the day or if it's uh, a different traveling so you mean like um 
you know how like carnival rides go from town to town? Like yes. is Ribfest the same thing? Like pretty much, yeah. Ribfest carnies? <laughs> like is that like is, is that what we're talking about here? Like kind of, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of what it is. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's like different in every province or. You know, if the same kind of guys go around in, in the different provinces. But they got their trailer, they got their smokers, and they're just going around making ribs. Okay. Huh. Not really vegetarian friendly. No, no, that's all right. I still like to learn about the world, Reese. It's not like – I'm not completely like – you know, I still like to learn. You know, they, you, you can find some other treats there. You know, there will always be the, the mini donuts and uh, the blooming onions, the corn on the cobs, like and a, stuff like that. like a fair, right? Yes. It's like county fair type of vibes. Um, I, I'm in line up. for Ribfest already. That's kind of nuts. Dan knows he's the local Fort St. John texter here. So Dan's gonna go scope out Tristan Nielsen though. So. He's he's probably in line right now texting <laughs> us from his from his lawn chair. He's listening on his AirPods while in line for <laughs> some uh, some ribs at eight thirty eight in the morning. I'm going for fries. Uh, we actually had a text earlier on in hour one asking yeah. if we ate hash browns. I think everybody eats hash browns. Yeah. So, who who hates hash browns? That can't be a thing. <laughs> it's like the most likable food ever. Uh, hash browns. I mean, potatoes in general. Like, it's hard to find people that dislike potatoes. Right? If you are that individual, text them now, because I'd like to know who it's you It's almost impossible. Because they can be made so different ways, so many different ways, you can season them to your taste. It's really difficult to dislike a potato. But... Yes, but of the, course, okay. everybody likes hash browns. You say that now, but remember Maury, the Maury show back in the day? They'd have those weird episodes, like <laughs> weird phobias. <laughs> I guarantee you there's a person out there that has a potato phobia. I don't remember the Maury Povich show for phobias. You don't, you don't remember those like random episodes where the, a person, no, be, like, a person every, would have like a Maury phobia Povich of mayo. Show is like, well, you are not the father. Yeah. That, that was Maury Povich in a nutshell. Nine out of ten were that, and then the, every now and then they'd switch it up and have a phobia show. Yeah. Uh, Port Moody Rib Fest is next weekend. So, there you go. Uh, we got this one from Chef Swagger. It's kind of his file from Hell's Kitchen. I go to Rib Fest every year. I'm probably going to the one in Langley in August. So, there's one in Langley, too. Langley. Uh, so, maybe it's not the same traveling band that uh, I would have expected uh, out back in, in Woodbridge. There was no, like, Italian-flavored ribs at Rib Fest in Woodbridge, by the way. Wait, so. no ribs uh, with red sauce? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> just just layered on top. It's kind of what we, you know. I think Burger King has the butter chicken pr- uh, poutine now. Yes, and it's just like, eh, just put the butter sauce in everything. Yeah, make it your own. I guess. Is it Domino's that's making the butter chicken pizza now? But uh, probably not. Uh, yeah, I, if I if I'm going to get butter chicken pizza, it's <laughs> not, not from Domino's. To... <laughs> I'm not going to Domino's. <laughs> probably going to a Punjabi place. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Uh, all right, I might have to try that one day. Um, I think I'm more uh, open to, to fusion pizzas. All right, I'll bring it in, in one past. day. I'll bring it in one day. Uh, we got this one. See, I'm not the only one that remembers those Mori episodes. Lettuce phobia was the craziest. <laughs> See? Those Mori episodes were How unreal. do you have phobia of lettuce? There's some weird stuff on there, man. Uh, all right. It's uh, Dan Riccio and Randy Janda. You are listening to The Morning Show. I know a lot of people have been asking... Um, some are happy to not have heard Halford and Bruff in the morning, just as I'm sure a lot are unhappy to hear us in the morning instead of Halford and Bruff. Like Stephen Vancouver. I see you, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Big fan of mine, Stephen Vancouver. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning coming up uh, just after 9 o'clock as they will take over for a fun-filled day of sports talk 
the day after the ESPYs. But right now, as uh, we always do, we close out the show with what we learned here on Halford and Bruff in the morning and the morning show. You always wait for the intro. (laughs) There is no intro to this. I got to do the read first. That's right. (laughs) I keep screwing this up like every day this week. You'll get it right tomorrow. I can get it. The look of displeasure from... uh... Were you going to say the lick of displeasure? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, back to to your... Get the read in, man. Of... uh of displeasure from Andy is uh, is unbelievable right now. What we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation of $200 off. Visit getfireplan.com. Oh my god! We're having a fire there plan! Smoothly executed. Smooth. Yes, it is what we learned here on the morning show. And there's a lot. 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. That's where uh, you can get in with your what we learned. And probably don't screw it up as much as I keep screwing up the read here on what we learned. That's all right. I I got uh, the first one here. What we learned. Yep. LeBron James just loves the moment. Does he? Yesterday was... Another. It wasn't quite. I'm taking my talents. It to was South the, Beach. like it was a, a small sequel, like a short film sequel to the decision, <laughs> where it gets up on the stage, is getting his award, and he mentions, "Oh, by the way, I'm not retiring." Of course, we. He's tweeting out everything. He couldn't have just tweeted that like yesterday. Yeah. Three days ago. No. Man, this guy milks the moment. <laughs> he waited till he was at the ESPYS. And there wasn't much, much going on. Uh, all right. What else did we learn? Keep your texts coming in. 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We don't have the dot matrix going, but uh, you can still get your texts in for what we learn. The Whitecaps have a superstar in Ryan Gold. I don't know if we should have learned that before. Probably. Or if we knew it before. Ryan Gold is Vancouver's unknown superstar right now and he proved it again last night did a bunch of crazy things over the weekend in the 3-2 loss to the Seattle Sounders a game the Whitecaps should not have lost but they did anyways because of poor defending Gauld is up to five goals six assists on the season he could have he should be leading the league in assists I believe that in my my heart of hearts Ryan Gauld should be leading the league in assists and should have had Brian White and Sergio Cordova finished at a rate similar to other strikers that get the amount of chances they do in MLS, then Ryan Gold would be in the race for MLS MVP. That hasn't happened. It could nope. still happen over the course of the second half of the season, but he's been that good. Showed it again last night, and I think more people should get on board with what Ryan Gold is doing with the Whitecaps. I'm genuinely excited for the the next phase of this season for the Whitecaps because of Ryan Gold. But I will say one thing. Pedro Morales, Barry Robson when he was a Whitecap, had more exposure in TV time yeah. than Ryan Gold is. Like, that's got to change over time. There's got to be more exposure of this guy. We need to see him play more than just inside the stadium. Like, there's got to be accessibility to these yeah. guys. Well, what we learned, uh, the MLS deal with Apple TV is hurting the product. Straight up. Now, last night is a night. I chirped the CFL for... 
Like the Lions aren't even playing this week. Bye. You know, that's a it's a bad week for a bye. It's week. a really bad week for the bye week. Lions and CFL schedulers. But you know, you don't have baseball on. You've got nothing on. The ESPYs are the only thing you're watching last night. And you know, what's the MLS game that TSN has? It's Montreal versus Chicago. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And sure, Sheridan Shakiri scored a great goal in that game, but. Now, does that matter too much to Vancouver fans? Absolutely not. MLS is still very much a regional sport. And having the Whitecaps game last night was a big one in terms of the playoff standings, too, on Apple TV only, which many people aren't really subscribing to. I don't know too many people at all that are subscribing to this. It's just the lack of exposure, I think, is hurting the team. It's hurting the league. And it certainly it feels like it's showing up in attendance too, because that Cascadia match against Seattle on Saturday, there's like sixteen thousand people at BC Place. That's a really no, low number yeah. in recent memory compared to other you know big games against the Sounders. Well, I think with the casuals, it would hurt, right? Especially if you're just saying, "Hey, man, like that was a great goal. I want to go check yeah. out the game." Like you don't have that exposure unless you're on IG or Twitter, and that's it. Uh, we got this one from Justin in East Van. What we learn: Prime Energy Drink has been recalled in Canada over caffeine content. Prime contains 200 milligrams of caffeine per can, the equivalent of six cans of Coke. I'll stick with coffee or my, or my caffeine fix. Long live Spros. Yes. Spros actually have a lower caffeine content than a um, Canadian coffee. Did you know that? Uh, no, I had no idea. Yep. I feel like this is your... That's why I can have a Spro at 8 o'clock at night and not even be worried about it. Yeah. How many have you had today? Uh, not enough. I had a double shot in the morning and then uh, had some of the bad work coffee here, but I shouldn't complain. It's free. You um, you should probably have one right before 8.30. You think so? Yeah. Why? It will help you with the read. <laughs> it might help me with the read. Give it a try tomorrow. Um, Adam, the former bath guy, what we learned, I learned Reach has a healthy phobia of the Miami Dolphins, and that's okay. Fins up, baby. There we go. There we go. I don't know if I have a phobia of the Dolphins. I just don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. No, Reach has a phobia of any team that he supports that starts losing and then he jumps ship. Yep. <laughs> He's not even denying being a bandwagoner anymore. Hey, man, I'm all in on Geno Smith. Another prove-it year for uh, for Geno. Uh, what else did we learn? What we learned, Dan Richo is not a good morning show host. Wow. Cutting straight to the... Uh, <laughs> thought you had a pretty good show. Straight Fire. to the point. thought you had a good show right before 8.40. I don't know. Yesterday, everybody's complaining about the start to the show. Today, everybody's complaining about the end of the show. You know what happened is you, I over, can't, you I... overcompensated in the beginning of the show today. <laughs> you should have left something in the tank for the end of the show. Maybe. Yesterday was the opposite. You were good at the end of the show, and you had a rough beginning. So just a little bit more balance. Yeah, he came out strong today. Yeah. Came he out wanted swinging. to prove the haters wrong. Yeah. Remember, this is a 12-round fight, though. <laughs> you can't. You can't just throw punches in the first round and expect to last till the 12th. Yeah, I definitely uh, made a point to be a little bit uh, more alive at the start of the show today. Uh, we got this one, Matt and Ladner. What we learned, July 12th was officially the worst day of the year for sports. No NHL, NFL, NBA, CFL, or Major League Baseball. Sports TV had darts. Sports radio was talking about whether sushi was overrated or not. <laughs> I believe that was on the People Show later on. <laughs> We're well, more civilized. We talk about fries. Yes, we had a big fries discussion. 
Uh, this text, I had a prime at 2.40, didn't sleep until 1 a.m. Okay. That's what you need for the morning show. Is this like a special prime drink? Or like, did the uh, the regular prime drinks have the caffeine? I, know, I think it is be- a special one. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. prime is the official sports drink of Arsenal. I don't think they're allowed to <laughs> give that to athletes before games if that's what it has in it. Uh, all right. More what we learned. Uh, most people could not point Ryan Gauld out of a prison lineup. <laughs> I don't know why Ryan Gauld would be in a prison lineup, but uh, the point is just trying to come across like, yes, Ryan Gauld is Vancouver's most unknown superstar. Prison lineup. <laughs> or just a lineup would do. It didn't have to be a prison lineup. Uh, we got Jeff from the Ridge. What we learned, the 650 crew is like its own traveling rib vest carnival. You guys move around more than NBA free agents. <laughs> uh, that's true. Is that true? I don't know if that's true. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's what we learned. I learned Shohei Otani will make more per year than the entire Oakland A's roster. Yes. It's true. It's very likely, especially until they move to Las Vegas. Okay. What is it 500 mil, like, guaranteed? Does he go above? Does he go I slightly mean, less? What did Trout sign for? 428 or something like that? Something around there. Over 400. Yeah, so. There's no way Otani signs less than 500 million. How many teams? On a 10 year deal, that's 50 million a year. That's. That's kind of the, the Patrick Mahomes contract. Okay, how many teams can legitimately go after him? Like, we were talking to Don LaGreca on hour one. He said Juan Soto's not likely because the Yankees are going to take a run probably at Otani in some degree. Yankees. Dodgers. Dodgers. Like, I'd, I'd say the Mets, but after the spending they did this past summer, uh, they're going back? I wonder if Seattle could be in on the running. Yeah, they can afford it. Yep. And he's straight like... He's going to get his money. Yeah. But if Seattle can't bid with the Dodgers, the Yankees, there's still an appeal there because there's still one of the finalists for him when yep. he made the switch, right? It's kind of like um, – it's similar to Russian players, how they want to play on the Eastern Seaboard in, in the NHL, right? That was a big thing for Artemi Panarin when he came up for free agency and he wanted to play in either New York or Florida. Um, you know, we've seen it with a lot of players – that come over from Japan in Major League Baseball. You know, Ichiro ends up in Seattle. A lot of players end up in Anaheim or, or L.A. They want to stay on the West Coast because it's a shorter flight back uh, back home for the offseason or whatever that may be. Sometimes that plays a factor. So I wonder if Seattle would have a chance at Otani, but uh, there is a lot of speculation that he wants to stay in the L.A. area. So it's probably the Dodgers. Yeah, and they got deep pockets there, and they'll always have deep pockets. We got this one from... Keith coming in. What I learned after hearing him talk, I'm going to be excited to see Nielsen fight for a possible uh, spot on the roster this year, on the Canucks yep. roster, the NHL roster. Is he this year's Niels Oman? Yeah, that's that. That's a little too rich for me. Mm-hmm. I think at some point he could be a part of the conversation, especially if like a Niels Hoagland or a Vasily Podkolzin do not necessarily take that leap like you're gonna need somebody that's got that aggression got that style of play but i still think that's a long way to go right long way to go uh tough one here for the whitecaps what we learned apparently the whitecaps still exist Ooh, they do currently they're a playoff team vanny sartini will join us tomorrow morning at 7 a.m so we will get in on that his take on how the whitecaps have been performing dan richo Randeep Chanda, producers Lena and Elon, thanks for listening to The Morning Show.